The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. I don't really feel that stupid anymore during my podcast with you. I feel like I'm learning. You're great. You're not <laughs> stupid at all. I, I feel especially, um, especially good when people say, hey, I have a question for you. And they start asking me about dog training stuff because they know I do the podcast with you. Every once in a while, I have a good answer because I know what would Victoria say? What would Victoria do? What have we talked about? Thank you. That's good to know. How are you? Good to you. are spreading the love. I'm good, thank you. How was your week? You've been traveling. I know. I was in uh, lovely, freezing Arizona. Believe it or not, I know it gets cold in the desert in Arizona, but boy, they had a uh, cold snap. And I guess uh, Golden Globes, that Sunday, Golden Globes, um, they were having a massive cold spell on the red carpet, and they had to have all these heaters, you know, that came in. and. We- and so that came to Arizona by the time I was there last week, and it was fantastic. And what, meanwhile, we were here basking in 74 degrees weather, but then had four <laughs> days of rain, crazy rain. So you didn't miss much. That's good. That's good. It actually did warm up a little bit. And now in Phoenix, it's 75 and sunny, so mm. I was just there a little bit. But mm. it was very cool. We did. Um, I was there for CNN. We did some stories in um, Phoenix area. And then we drove up to Sedona, which is beautiful. If you've never been to Sedona, those red rocks are just, I mean, you just stand in in awe and uh then yeah and you know my photographer and i Stuart, had this conversation when we were driving you know we go overseas we go oh let's go see the world and all these beautiful places and we forget right here in the u.s there's some really amazing gorgeous places like none other like you'll never see these red rocks like that and um i learned about it iron in the soil i got the lesson um and then we went up to this tiny little old mining town called jerome Without getting into too much, if you ever are in that area, go see Jerome, Arizona. It's fantastic. It used to be a billion-dollar copper mine. And then when the copper ran out or they couldn't really get as much as it cost them to get it, uh, they closed it down in 1953. It became a ghost town. Everybody left because there was nothing to do there. You're in the middle of nowhere. And people literally left in the middle of the night. So in the 60s, when all the hippies were sort of evading, I guess, the Vietnam War and just traveling, they came upon Jerome, went into all these old homes, and they call it the tabletop town because they would walk into an abandoned house. You know, they would sort of squat. And the table would be set still 20 years later because people would just leave in the middle of the night because they had to go get the next job in the next mining town. It was first miner there gets the job. So they'd pick up their family and they would go in the middle of the night. And so they slowly, these hippies sort of took over this town and at Arizona State University, which is in Phoenix area, they, a lot of artists came up there because it's so pretty in the mountains and they got some big building for $50, the school, and they Hmm. renovated it and big windows and it was really bright and all these artists painted there and it's became now this, now it's this thriving artistic community, but with great history and a ghost tour at night. Oh, gosh, I love ghost tours. Oh, you would love it because apparently, you know, it was a rough and tumble town. It was mostly men, about 15,000 people in the heyday. And there was, um, you know, many ladies of the evening there. Um, of and, disrepute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, you know, shootouts and arguments and a lot of drinking because what do you do? And, I mean, a lot of things happen. And the town burned down like three times because it was all wooden. And so there's all these ghosts and spirits. So you could do a haunted tour of Jerome at night, which was really cool. And we had one of those Geiger counters. Mine kept going off. Spirits like me. So the Geiger counter measures electrical energy. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's Geiger. What is it called? Maybe Geiger's. I think the Geiger, is it Geiger? Whatever. It's electrical one. The Geiger might be doing radiation, but um, it's that electrical pulse energy, electrical energy. And it was interesting because for instance, one place we went to is the sitting room, and uh, there was stories about this old house and the woman that owned it and her son, and this sitting room, people have seen apparitions, they've seen things moved, and the people that work in the hotel, it's now a hotel, um, I think it was a hotel back then as well, um, are used to it, you know, they'll put something down and it moves five feet over, so they say. 
So we went up into this room and it was at night and I had my little electrical, you know, spirits, ghosts, they read on these electrical meters. And we walked in, I walked by one side of it and my meter went off. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happened here? Because normally there was a story about something happening there. And the guy said, nothing, nothing really happened there. I mean, but spirits are known. And then, so we stopped and we talked a little bit and I went back over and it was gone. <gasps> Weird. I know. And I think that they just came to check it out. I think that what happened is we went there and spirits came. Who's here? They came into the room. They checked us out. They just wanted to know what's happening. And then they left. That's creepy. I believe it. It's not creepy. It's Ooh. fantastic. That it reminds me of an experience when I took my mother to Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we did one of the ghost tours of the Old Town Jail, which mm-hmm. is the spookiest building you have ever been to in your life. It is spooky. And it was at nighttime, and we went in there, and we had our jail tour. Mm-hmm. And it's basically done with the lights off. Right. And this is where they have murderers yep. and all kinds of awful people. Terrifying. But brilliant as well. <laughs> Did you see any? No, we didn't. No, no, we didn't. Did you have a little lecture? I bet no. you they were there. No, I'm sure that they were. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we were glad that when it when it ended. But I love things like that. Oh, oh great! That we is. need to go do a ghost tour of America. I think it'd be fun. My husband Sean thinks I'm crazy, but I do believe in spirit. I don't know about ghosts, but I believe in spirit, and I believe that they exist. And it was really cool. And, you know, I don't, not to get to it, but I felt you feel something. Now, maybe it's because you're so attuned and you're in, but, you know, call me crazy. But I believe. Totally I believe. want to believe. I, I want to believe. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I, I want, you know, you watch these psychics on television mm-hmm. and you think, well, either they're amazingly clever and they have, inc- they have, they have incredible tricks up their sleeve or that there really is something in, in it. Well, you know, know, it's funny. Psychics, I think a lot of times they can read you. That's a psychological Mm -hmm. profile. But let me ask you this. And I think, you know what we should do? Let's, in the next couple months, let's get us, let's get somebody who believe, you know, who's either, I think we should get somebody on to talk about it. Not necessarily a psychic, because someone who believes in spirit and reincarnation and things like that. Because here's, here's, here's a question for you. Have you ever been somewhere and you meet somebody and you get a lot, like you've known them forever. Like you become fast friends and it feels like, oh, we just met like two hours ago, but I feel like I've known you forever. Yes. Okay. So I believe, and I think I'm a little bit Kabbalist. Uh, my friend Sanjay Gupta calls me a Hindu. but Sanjay um, Gupta from CNN. Yes. He says I'm a Hindu because we sort of have the same kind of beliefs. But I do believe that um, there's a reason for that and we can get into it. I'd love to talk with somebody and explore it. But, you know, when you go... If your spirit, you know, you're trying to be, you know, when you get to karma and, you know, your spirit can be released, but you come back because you're not finished doing what you're doing, but you come back as spirit and you can come back as someone else. So perhaps maybe that person that you just met, who you feel like you've known forever in a past life, you were friendly or related or together in some way. And that's why you have that instant connection. I would kind of like to believe that, that this wouldn't, this isn't just it. It's not it. Think about it. How, how bizarre that we are here and how, you know, who can explain this? I know it is bizarre. It is bizarre, but you know what? You can extend your lifespan anyway. Even if this is Mm -hmm. the only time that you're on this planet, you can extend your life by eating better. I like this. This is a good segue. I like this. So tell us why and how I have to see this. I have been on my Facebook this week because I've had uh, a good week at home where I've been able to do a lot of work, a lot of my business. And part of the week as well is going, you know what, Stillwell, you have to change your diet. I have a sweet tooth. I love sugar. I eat too much chocolate. I eat too much sugary cereals. And that's it. It's got to change. Mm -hmm. So this week I changed it. And how do you feel? I feel, I feel really good. I feel really good because, because it, I don't know if it's any changes in my body yet. It's too early, but I feel good spiritually in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a film called Hungry for Change, which Mm -hmm. is by the same makers that did Food Matters. And I I wanted to watch this film specifically because it did address, of course, a lot of what we're eating, but sugar Mm -hmm. and how sugar is literally addictive Mm -hmm. and aspartame, things like that. And aspartame is the artificial sweetener in Mm -hmm. Cokes and sodas, which my husband is addicted to. 
and how addictive that is as well and how bad it is for you and about how we're putting these chemicals into our bodies literally we're killing ourselves we're mm-hmm. polluting ourselves and that the food industry nowadays is just so full of bad stuff for us but that's what we're eating so um i went online as well to to the hungry for change site there's some great articles there and the um According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the average American consumes 156 pounds of added sugar per year. Added sugar, yes. That's five grocery, five grocery store shelves loaded with 30 or so one-pound bags of sugar each. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's me. That is me. That is exactly what I'm doing. So I really have changed. And... Um, what was also interesting that they've done some studies in 1822, for example, the average American consumed about 45 grams of sugar every five days. That's the equivalent of the amount found in one of today's 12-ounce sodas. Wow. In 2012, we now consume 765 grams of sugar every five days. A lot of it is, you know, when it's added like corn syrup and you see all of that, you know, because we get plenty of sugar naturally. If you eat fruits fruits and vegetables that have sugar, tomato has sugar. You, you do. Know, you wouldn't think. There's a lot of sugar in foods that you would not think of. of you course. get plenty. And, of, and, and a lot of, uh, when you eat carbohydrates, mm-hmm. what do they get turned to in mm-hmm. your body? They get turned into sugar. If you don't use it as energy. Yes. Yeah. Well, so... The, the thing is, you know, that's why that paleo diet has become so popular, is the paleo diet is back to eating what caveman ate. They ate fruits and vegetables and meats, and they didn't eat anything with proce- nothing processed. And that's, you know, part of part of a healthy diet. Our you bodies know, don't knowing. need processed stuff. It it's tastes, convenient. So, yes, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, so the average adult, if we boil it down, has 22 teaspoonfuls of sugar per day. Mm-hmm. But the average child... Do you know how much the average average child eats in sugar a day? No. 32 mm. teaspoonfuls per day. Right. A lot of that, they're getting terrible food at school. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you see young kids under the age of, you know, around the age of 11 getting type 2 diabetes. It's the sugar intake and the lack of exercise. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. You know, the other thing is also what's a, what's a big issue is not just eating fruits and vegetables, but also eating in season. Um, that's a big deal for me. Um, I rarely will buy a tomato in the winter unless perhaps a recipe calls for it. I will try and do canned tomatoes, um, or something that had been picked in season because, you know, tomatoes have to, to travel a long way to get to us here out of season and to get to us, they have to be picked before they're ripe so that they don't spoil and process. And then a lot of times some foods are treated chemically and, you know, to make them look good and appealing. And they don't taste like a tomato doesn't taste like a tomato in the winter, nor should it. So I'm big about eating. Like I just made, oh, I forgot to bring you some. I just made butternut squash soup last night. Um, I made it with butternut squash. I made it with apples. I mean, things that you would normally see right now in season. Actually, I should say pear. Um, and you know, it's, it's good. See, I, I've, I've, I'm very young still in all my research into this. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what I, I don't think my body re- realizes what's hit it. I've been eating avocados. I have been eating tomatoes. Good for you. Tomatoes, it's okay. It's because okay. Because I, I don't know about that. It's good. See? It's okay, though. It's um, healthy. I, I've been eating cucumbers mm-hmm. um, and uh, also preparing great food for my daughter. I mean, she, she eats great. very well anyway, yeah. but she's eating even better. And this got me to thinking that we've really got to be concerned about what we're putting into our bodies. But we've also got to be concerned about what we're putting into our dogs' bodies too. Mm-hmm. Now, my dogs have always had very good diets. Mm-hmm. And there is, I guess, an argument in the dog world whether you should feed your dog a raw diet or whether you should just feed a really high-quality food. I've done both. But I think we've got to be very concerned about what we feed our dogs because if you're going to the grocery store and you're buying very well-known brands just off the store shelves chances are that food's not going to be very good for your dog so you've got to do research so um, I would like to over the next couple of months talk a little bit about more about food Mm -hmm. on on this podcast and have somebody a a canine nutritionist 
if there is such a thing, I know there's, there's quite a, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, a vet is very much into nutrition, and, and vets do not get a lot, uh, right. uh, get a lot of, well, hardly at all, any education about nutrition. In fact, they're the last people that well, it's get the same with education about Sometimes nutrition. with our doctors, our doctors are really saying, right. here, take this pill for that symptom. Exactly. So um, if there's a canine nutritionist out there that's listening to this, please call us, contact podcasts at um, positive.com slash podcasts and let us know when we'd like to have you on the show because there's a whole lot of questions I want to ask you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Sean and I, my husband and I just had this conversation yesterday when we went to the store. Um, I was in Costco uh, a couple weeks ago and I needed dog treats for my dog. And there was a guy standing there and there was a bunch of different choices. And he was on there and I thought he was just on the phone, right? And he thought he was texting or whatever. And I thought, boy, this guy's like blocking the aisle, you know, trying to get around. So finally I looked at it and I go, oh, they don't normally have the bones that I want. And so I started, I was like, I don't know. I've never heard of this brand. And you know, this time, and he actually was standing there because he was looking it up and he said to me, oh, I just did research. This one seems okay. These are organic, you know, and I looked at him and he said, yeah, I won't do anything from China. Exactly. I won't do. And Sean and I had this conversation yesterday because we were, I needed, I was at the grocery store and I wanted to get my dogs some treats. So I'm looking at all. I said, it's got to be made in the USA. No, you know, made anywhere else. And he said, why? And I said, because, you know, in this conversation with this guy, you know, who knows what they're putting in it when it comes from another country. I go, they could be putting dog or horse in there. There's so many recalls from China as well from contamination as well. Right. But then, but then Sean said to me, you know, the psychology of a, of a, of a woman. And I know that was very sexist, but, or just somebody like who's very compassionate. He said, why don't, what's wrong with dog in dog eating dog? I said, that's terrible. He said, you know, you eat chicken, you eat fish, people eat cow, you know, just because it's dog or horse and another, you know, what's the, he said, it's psychological to you because it's like anything else. And I thought, well, gosh, he has a point there. Um, as far as what it is, not how it's made and the contamination. But it was really interesting. But I would love to know from a veterinary nutritionist or nutritionist for dogs is whether or not that is healthy or not healthy and what's the problem with that. And is that more of a moral dilemma than it is It's very unlikely dog eating dog, very unlikely. I think, he, you know, even in the wild or you've got a pack of feral dogs, it, it, I think it's, it's not usual for a dog to eat another dog unless they're starving kind of like human and human cannibalism yeah. is not it's it's uh, i've 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 seen it i've actually there's a video of um a very a starving dog in detroit eating the remains of a puppy mm. frozen to death and that was shocking shocking that was taken by detroit dog rescue one of the reasons why they started but that's the only time that i've ever heard of it so Again, hmm. that will be good to know. Yeah. If you've got information on that, please contact us. Yes, let us know. Let us know. All right. And uh, speaking of great information, I'm excited about our hotline guest. It is one of my VSPDT trainers, Amy Sandman from Amy's Canine Connection in Minneapolis. This woman is awesome. And you really got to hear what she's got to say. Let's get her on the phone. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, On the Positively Hotline today, we have... My wonderful Victoria Still Positively dog trainer, Amy Sandman, and she is located in the, the uh, Minneapolis in Minnesota. Is it cold there where you are right now? Because I've heard that you've had some pretty warm weather for Minnesota. Um, <laughs> it is Minnesota cold today. Okay. <laughs> we had negative uh, 14 this morning, so it is chilly, chilly, chilly. Wow. Negative <laughs> 14. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No yeah, way. and and yeah, and even colder, obviously, with the wind chill. That's without the wind chill. So it, it's um. <laughs> Does it really make a difference when there's a wind chill when you get you know f below zero? Yeah, it's it's just really uh, <laughs> it's 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 amazingly cold. We've actually haven't had it very you know very rough yet, and this is this is the coldest that that. Um, it's been in a, in a while, so wow. the dogs are 
the dog, you open the door for the dogs to go out and they look at you like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> yeah. Now, you I want yeah. us to do what? I want to ask you about your dogs because I think you you don't really need a heater if your dog, Howie, just follows you all over the house. He's 184 pounds? Yes, he's he's a he's a big boy. He's um, I call him my big mofer. <laughs> he's like the size of my husband. So, uh, how much food does he eat a day? Like, what do you feed him, and how often do you go to the dog store to buy food? Well, I um, we go through a lot of food because, of course, we have uh, two other dogs besides Howie. But um, he consumes about I would say ten cups a day. Ten cups. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, that's big dogs, big doo doo. Oh my yes, oof, yes, gosh! Yes, absolutely. There, yeah. A poop scooping in our house is a is a major um, event. <laughs> that would be like boot camp. <laughs> Did you just say that Howie is an English Mastiff? Did you say that Harry yeah. is an English Mastiff? Oh, I didn't know whether you'd already said yes. But, well, for Harry is an English Mastiff, and of course, English yes. Mastiffs are very big. Yes, they are. They're they're normally they're you know they're, the nickname is Gentle Giant. Wow! So, and 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 they really are. Um, he's an amazing, an amazing dog. Does he drool? Love him. Um, he only drools um, <laughs> after he drinks, and if he gets um, too warm. See, and, I just and. That's I, the only time, really. I know you think I'm odd, but I love those big dogs like that. I really want a bloodhound or like a mastiff like that. But I'm just afraid it's going to take the wallpaper off with the drool. I've heard stories. Well, you know, they don't drool. You know, I've heard, I've heard stories of, of like the Saint, the Saint Bernard. You know, I, I know that certain Saint Bernards are quite drooly. But really, Howie does not um, really have that issue unless he's drinking or he gets really warm outside and he's, you know, playing or something he tends to drool a little bit so when does a 184 um, pound dog never get warm yeah uh, okay so <laughs> i digress anyway my questions are done now victoria wants to get to the real stuff i want to oh, find okay. out about pet partners about pet therapy because howie the mastiff is a therapy dog isn't he yes he is he can you is. tell us and about it well sure it's you know it's um Pet Partners is an organization that was founded, I think, I, think, I want to say in 1977, and it used to be called um, Delta Society. They did have a um, name change last year. They are envisioning a world, you know, in which people are healthier and happier because of companion animals, and they have such a, a huge benefit um, you know, to people, and I go into the hospitals, and and um, it's just an amazing um, thing to do. I wish I could. I wish I could uh, be out there, you know, with in the hospitals every day. But I have my other job that I do, and other dogs that I need to uh, help and take care of. So, well, what but, what sort of things does he do at the hospital? What kind of um, you work a lot with children, don't you? We do a couple of different things. Um, first, we there's there's two types of, of visits that you can kind of um, categorize. There's there's AAA, which is considered animal assisted activities, which are kind of like um, you know meet and greet activities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm visiting uh, patients in, in different rooms. Um, I go into Ronald McDonald's house and I kind of hang out in there, and that would be considered, um, you know, an AAA, an mm-hmm. animal assisted activity. There's also um, AAT, which is the animal assisted therapy, and we also do that, and and that's a little bit different. It's um, it's more goal directed, and we're dealing with Howie and I will work with um, one particular child from the moment they're in therapy to the end of their therapy it doesn't so it could be a month it could be six months or it could be a year depending on you know the specific case and um what kind of things do you, you know, do with the with, well, with these kids yeah because how are so big we have some more unusual things that we get to do um for instance we, I, I turned Howie into a, a giant felt board, 
um, I made him a jacket of felt and then um, cut out fun shapes. It was around Halloween time, so, of course, I had Halloween decorations and things. And we were helping um, a young a young little boy um, learn to, to walk um, again. And in order to walk, you have to learn how to stand first. Mm-hmm. Well... When you have a little a little munchkin, you know, stand, just standing there is pretty boring. So we would um, have him stand up, and then I would hand him different uh, different shapes and fun things, and he could decorate Howie. And then we would um, a couple weeks later, we were able to actually parade and walk uh, with Howie throughout the hospital, so he could show everybody his handiwork. Mm-hmm. And then some of, some of the other things we do is um, some of the dogs, the larger dogs, we actually paint on the dogs with um, with water-based safe safe paints. Um, you know, if, to learn and to help with with uh, motor skills and such, and so they um, can become a canvas as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, there's, so yeah, we we try to do we try to get creative depending on what. You know the particular therapist needs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then of course there's things like just just having a child brush a dog mm-hmm. or stroke the dog or um, actually have the child walk the dog. They there's two leashes. We I put on another leash and then we hand one leash to the child so that they feel that they're actually walking this um, ginormous pony. <laughs> <laughs> So, and it's, it, it, he tends to cause um, quite a stir sometimes because he is big. And, and a lot of times you don't see dogs that size um, in, in the hospital. You know, you're, right. it's just not a, a usual sight. So, and, of course, he's um, a bully breed, isn't he? So, and you don't see many bully breeds. No, you don't. And it's a shame because, you know, they're wonderful, wonderful dogs. And... I think a lot of them, you know, have been given a, a bad rap. Mm-hmm. And so I am thrilled to kind of be an ambassador and, and, and have Howie be the ambassador and to show people that these these large dogs are kind and wonderful and well-mannered and loving, just like, you know, your average golden retriever that you you see a lot in therapy. So, um so yeah, so I'm very proud of him. I mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, I knew when he was a baby that he was special. I mean, they're all special, but I could tell that he was going to have what it takes to be able to to do this type of of work um, because it can be stressful. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a good the the characteristics. You know, you're gonna you have to have a reliable dog, a very predictable dog right um because there's a lot of things that that can be thrown their way in a busy regional regional medical center so right um so it's uh he's just a real champ mm-hmm. you know he he um it's a it's sometimes i'm just amazed at the things that that he can handle and process and and just get through um so. what's the website so that people can get all that information yeah, it is. Um, it's www.petpartners.org. Great. That's great. Amy, what you do is so important, and I think a lot of people don't really, you know, the people who are just learning about this uh, would be amazed. And I read everything about you and what you do in the organization in general, and it's it's amazing work you do. Thank you so much for everything, and uh, petpartners.org for people to get more information on it. And also, Amy, if somebody in the Minneapolis area wants to get in contact with you, what is the best website to get you at? Um, the best uh, website would be um, my personal website, which is www.amy.sandman.positively.com. Because you're a fabulous dog trainer as well. one of the VSPDTs. <laughs> Isn't it fantastic? I have such great trainers. I mean, they are... They, they just, uh, what, can, what else can I say? Thank you, Amy. Thanks for coming on today and joining us and sharing your experiences um, and with thanks, us. And thank Howie for us, too. I, I, I hope I meet that dog someday. And we, <laughs> we're going to put a picture of you and Howie up. 
on our Positively <laughs> Podcast see. page so a, everybody can see okay. what a 184-pound okay. well, dog looks he is, like. He is certainly a very handsome boy. Yes, he is. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at him right him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Thanks you. Amy. You're welcome, and thank you, guys. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what? What the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. All right, let's ask Victoria, shall we? We got a bunch of great questions here, by the way. Uh, this segment is questions from you. So if you have a question for us, positively.com slash podcast, email us any questions and Victoria will help you help your dog. Um, like Virginia from Arizona, since I was uh, just in Arizona and lovely people there. And by the way, when I was up in Jerome, they have a uh, humane society up there. Oh, do they? I thought it was great. And we didn't see any stray animals. I heard one cat and I think it was somebody's. And I love that because it means they're being taken care of, mm-hmm. I hope. So Virginia in Arizona says, Victoria, what should you do if you suspect or know that someone's operating a puppy mill? Is there someone that you can call? Also, what should you do if you see a stray dog or someone abusing an animal? And I already love Virginia that she's concerned. Yep. Thanks, Virginia. I think the first line that you need to do or the first um, thing you need to do is go to contact your local animal control. Now, a lot of people might cringe when I say that. And, of course, it depends how good your local animal control is because some of them aren't so great and mm-hmm. some of them won't take action. But then there are other animal controls that will that will go and investigate. Mm-hmm. So if you do have an animal control in your area, then do contact them. But there are other places that you can go to. For example, you can go to stoppuppymills.com, which is the... Um, Humane Society of the United States. I know a lot of people don't like the Humane Society of the United States, but they do amazing work regarding puppy mills. And so go on that site, get information, contact them, and see if they could send somebody out. You've also got Red Rover. Red Rover um, is a great organization that, again, has a task force that will go out and help investigate or just help get information that's redrover.org. Um, and I'd just sort of like to extend that, that if you have or you are thinking of getting a dog and you don't want to get one from a rescue shelter, and I always say, please get one from a rescue shelter. There are, if you want a specific breed, there are breed-specific rescue shelters you can go to mm-hmm. that have those breeds or organizations that have those particular breeds. Mm-hmm. But if you said, no, 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 I want to go down the breeder route, then do your research first before you you get a puppy, okay? When you're contacting a breeder, look for red flags, okay? The, the, the red flags that denotes whether this person is a responsible breeder and there's only breeding for the love of the breed or this person is potentially operating a, a puppy mill is that the seller has many types of purebreds or designer hybrid breeds being sold at all, but Mm -hmm. specifically at less than six weeks old. Mm -hmm. Breeders who are reluctant to show potential customers the premises, Mm -hmm. the entire premises in which the animals are kept, not just the front room in the house, but what's happening at the back. Breeders who don't ask a lot of questions about you. And... No guarantees. The responsible breeders will make a commitment to take your dog back if things don't work out. And so those are things that you need to look for. Also, it would be good to see mum with the pups Mm -hmm. and not just any mum with pups because they get really clever, these breeders, these puppy millers, and they take any mum and any female dog and stick it with the puppies Mm -hmm. so you know look for female dog there's obvious signs that they've just had you know they've had puppies and um if the male is there great but that's not always that doesn't always happen just be really careful 
I also think it's great to be able to contact people who've already had purchased puppies from a potential breed, a particular breeder, get references from that breeder, and call those people who have had puppies from that breeder. Never, ever, ever meet anybody in in a in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done. Mm-hmm. I was outside Whole Foods the other day. I saw it done, mm-hmm. where there see where there was a puppy exchange, hmm. and I didn't. Um, I had my I had children with me, so I could not go up and kind of tackle what was going on there. But which brings me to her next question: Is what happens if you see? abuse you've got to report it call the police just mm-hmm. call the police i mean or animal control but please i think if you see somebody abusing an animal the police have got to be your your first port of call because it is a felony and animal cruelty is a felony in most states in the in the united states now so they have to come when you call them mm-hmm. you know what else um you you talked about not all animal controls are responsive but i will say that animal control aren't they aren't they uh, hired positions um, they're in, county in a local government. They're, they're local, they're government positions. So, yes. you know, my whole thing too is that, you know, be proactive then. If you have a mayor of your town or a village president or, you know, the council members, you know, hold them accountable. They're elected. And so hold them accountable for who they're hiring. And if your animal control isn't responsive, then go to them because they run the risk of losing their jobs. And you put somebody else in there with your vote who will be reactive and get somebody in there who will do their job. So it all starts with us. I know a lot of that goes back to, you know, un- the unfortunate, the horrific story of Lennox in, in, in Ireland. But, you know, that's the point is that these people are elected. They're, you know, no, no supreme beings hiring them. No supreme being God is saying, you're going to do this. It's you. And so your vote will get rid of them and get someone in there who will be responsible and, and take action, I think. Okay. (laughs) You're like, good luck with that one. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's talk about uh, Bree's dog. Bree is in Youngstown, New York. And she says she helps foster for a local rescue. I recently got a new foster named Jasper. He's a four month old pup. We think he's a chow lab retriever mix. The problem is he's very aggressive towards big dogs. He will not back down from them. He curls his lip, shows his teeth and barks. In the shelter, he was exposed to many different things, and who knows what his life was like before he was brought there. Can you maybe shed some light on what my next step should be with Jasper before he goes into a new home? I think he needs to get out of the shelter, and I think he needs to go to a foster. And then you need to have a trainer come in and work with him, a trainer who does positive reinforcement, who understands the issues that this dog is going through. Four months old is very young to be showing this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like... It could be potentially genetic. It could be social. Mm -hmm. It could be lack of socialization, lack of good experiences. It's obviously this poor dog is being very defensive. I think he sounds like he's very scared. And so he needs the shelter is no place for a dog like this because shelters are stressful places anyway, which is really hard to, uh, you know, you can train a dog to sit and stay and come to you in a shelter, but... You can't, when you've got a dog that has real severe behavioral issue like this one, a shelter environment is not a place. So if you can get a great foster who can take this pup on and work with this puppy to introduce this puppy into the world, because that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen. And it's going to take a while too. I would say probably, you know, depending on how much work you are are willing to do, about three months for this pup to get to a place where this puppy could be adoptable. But yeah, you know, this, this person is being, um, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I, this person has fostered Jasper. So this person is the foster for Jasper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to but get. It's good to know for a puppy who might be aggressive yeah. in a shelter. That's really good advice. If you see a, a puppy in a shelter. But yeah. yeah. But you, you've got to get a trainer in to come and help you. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's just it's not it's not going to get better without that, and and I think you know with the best will and the best will of the world, best intentions, people like to get their dogs, the shelter dogs, out of the shelter mm-hmm. or out of foster homes as quickly as possible to their new forever homes. But for some dogs, it's just not. They need time. 
This dog definitely sounds like it needs time. And we don't know how long it's been out of the shelter at all, so we don't know if she just got him a week or two ago and it may need time to settle. It might just have been too much of an environment yeah, for but them. And- I don't know. I think because he's showing behavior like that right now, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that's just because he's going to s- calm down once he's settled. I think this is a serious behavior. He doesn't have good social skills, and he's being very defensive. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... Well, it could be a product of the shelter. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's really, that's what's frustrating for me. I love to be able to, <laughs> answer, to answer these questions to a point, but if I'm not there, right, I can't see how serious it actually is, but, but it, it sounds pretty bad. A good uh, positive trainer can assess the situation yes. and decide, you know, whether, what this dog, what the course of action should yes. be with that dog. Okay. Um, this one is from Lauren from Wangarai, New Zealand. Um, I've had my Chihuahua Lily since she was six months old and she's now three years old. Over time, I've discovered several health issues. She's being treated for these and is doing well. However, the medication she is on makes her sleepy and uninterested in exercise. I do encourage her each day to take a a little stroll or chase the ball for 15 to 20 minutes. In recent months, she's been walking at four or five, waking, I'm sorry, waking at four or five a.m. As a puppy, she would sleep all night. Is this due to lack of activity? Is there anything I can do to encourage better sleeping patterns? Patterns. Sounds like she's got a lot of issues there. I would go back to her veterinarian, and if that veterinarian is not going to help her, go get a second opinion about when to be able to give this kind of medication um, and why the medication is making this dog so drowsy during, during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any kind of medication that they can use, different kind of medication that will still help but not make the dog so drowsy? Because... Obviously, if you've got your dog that's sort of doped up and doesn't really is not really interested in physical activity during the day, that dog's not feeling great anyway. Mm-hmm. How long is the dog going to be on the medication? Um, is there some way that you can do some kind of um, her- complementary therapy, some sort of holistic therapy along with the medication that would be that will make your dog feel a bit better? Because it would, I think, the lack of inactivity. This obviously dog doesn't feel mm-hmm. so great. And four or five in the morning, you know, that's the time when our bodies, around three o'clock, four o'clock, when our bodies are at their lowest ebbs. So when you don't feel well, if you're going to feel unwell, chances are you're going to wake up in the middle of the night around three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And it's the same with dogs. Mm-hmm. So I think this dog just feels terrible and sleep patterns are awry because of it i always you know when you get your dog is treated by a veterinarian you have to be proactive it's like you yourself i've experienced this that with medical conditions you have to be proactive because one doctor might have one way of doing things but another doctor has another way of doing it which is totally different from the first doctor so the more opinions you can get the more you can help yourself i think it's the same with our dogs if you are not happy with the progress your dog is making and your veterinarian can't help you or is not willing to help you do go and find another opinion and go the holistic route as well you know um question for you with humans when we exercise we release you know all kinds of feel-good hormones and that's what gives us that you know great feeling afterwards is it the same with dogs exactly the same with dogs however if a dog doesn't feel like exercising anyway and just doesn't enjoy the walk, there's nothing great being released there. That's just, it's just the dog is getting more stress. Just like humans. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a question from Lisa in Harpersfield, New York. She says, Dear Victoria, I'm desperate. You're my last chance or I must get rid of my dog. I have no other option. He has huge anxiety issues. That's the only way I can put it. I've tried vet advice, trainers, meds, and everything I know. Nothing has worked. At first it was manageable, but now he's ruining my house. She doesn't say how though. Uh, he cannot be rehomed as he is and would not be resp- and it would not be responsible for me to do that to him. I want to keep him, but I need help, please. Thank See, you. it's difficult to answer a question like that because yeah. I have no idea. This is this dog's uh, separ- uh, having separation anxiety. Is the anxiety happen when she's away or is the anxiety 24-7? Is the dog chewing her house? Is the dog being aggressive towards people coming into a house or outside or how is the anxiety yeah what kind of meds is this dog and how is the anxiety manifesting itself um there's a lot of people that i've met that that i work with that are really 
at the end of their tether they can't they can't cope anymore so it sounds like a this woman is being you know unfair unkind by saying i'm gonna to have to give my dog up but really some people are desperate and lisa i get it i understand so um i think that you need to when people said they've tried everything no you haven't tried everything there is a lot more that you can do and i wonder the kind of trainers that you work with i wonder the kind of veterinarians you work with and I'm, they might be great but again, here again, it's asking for a third, fourth, fifth opinion mm-hmm. and finding that person that is, that's going to help. See, I don't believe that any dog, unless the dog has some, some severe psychological issues, I don't believe that any dog is sort of so beyond it that they can't be helped in some kind of way. Right. And... <clears throat> When people do say, I've tried everything, well, no, they haven't. Mm-hmm. So when I put them back on the right path, they find out, oh, okay, I actually didn't, I didn't, when I contacted this right person, things, things fell into place. Not the greatest advice out there, but. No, but it, it does. I mean, you're you know, not helpful uh, right now. Right. But, you know, I had an anxious dog and you're the one who said, you know, maybe Barnsley needs medication and we were sort of at our wits end and I couldn't take him for a walk anymore and he was being dog aggressive to everything and everybody and reactive to everything and it was just the other day I said to my husband have you noticed the difference yeah he barks a lot less he doesn't resource guard as much he seems a lot more mellow and so you know I didn't think of it until you said hey have you tried this I think a lot of people don't want to put their dogs on medication because especially for for anti-anxiety medication because um, they're worried that they're going to drug their dog or the dog's going to lose their personality and that just doesn't happen. No, it takes it the edge off. Yeah. That's what these medications do. It takes the edge off so the dog can learn. When you're too stressed, too anxious, you can't learn. Neither can our dogs. So when that edge is taken off, then they can suddenly enjoy life again and start learning again. And that's when you can start teaching them and managing them. And maybe that would help Lisa as well. If she got a, her dog on the right medication, then things would fall into place afterwards. So... Okay. Here's uh, one last one. It's from Sally in Frimley, Surrey. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, she said, can you offer advice on how we can improve our three-and-a-half-year-old Yellow Lab's impulse control? Recently, she started running back home from the woods near our house across an extremely busy road to eat food from the bit food bins. We have done recall training and leave it training, but her impulse control and obedience remains awful. When we go to a beach, she has to be muzzled because she runs off to steal food. We've been to training classes and we have tried clicker training. Huh. Well, first of all, though, why is she running across a busy road? <laughs> That's my first. Wait a minute. Yeah, this sounds familiar. I'm sure. I don't know if we've, we've done this before. This, this question sounds familiar, but... Not with me. Okay. <laughs> you may have read it before. Yeah. Or maybe it's just because I realized that uh, I've had clients with the same <laughs> issue. Running back home from the woods near our house. I don't understand that. What's she doing out by herself anyway? Is she allowed to free roam? I don't know. I don't She's know anything about that area. Is it from wooded? the woods near our... I mean, Farming. there are woods... But there's Surrey is a pretty busy place. It's country, but it's also pretty busy. Well, first of all, if you fenced her in and just kept her in uh, an area where she can't get in trouble, then that would be yeah fine. But what about, okay, so this dog who keeps stealing food, you know, she goes, and, and that's a big issue. I know dogs are always looking for, you know, they're begging yes. and they're yeah, always trying you can't, to you know, you can't put let a sandwich off. down. They you, grab it off yeah, the table. This is different. I mean, she's on the beach. She's running to find food. Oh, um. You you do you've got to do better recall training, and I do recall training with with food, mm-hmm. um, and but I also incorporate food with toy, and most lab retrievers love to retrieve and love to play with toy. So I have what I call the jackpot reward, which is a ball filled with a few really tasty treats that I use for when the dog comes back to me. So I have to try and make myself more valuable than the thing that the dog is running towards. So that when I have my recall cue and when I call my dog to me, my dog's going to turn around on a dime and come running back to me. And then it gets its jackpot reward. But that takes a long time to build that up and get that right. And you cannot allow your dog to not succeed, to fail. Because the more time the dog practices the negative behavior, the more 
time the dog's going to do it. And if that behavior is reinforced by the dog actually finding something at the end, then the dog's just going to keep running away. Hmm. Don't allow the dog off the leash or use an extendable lead. It's on a beach. You're not going to trip somebody else up. It's much safer. Or a long line on your dog. And really work on the recall before you take your dog to a stimulating environment like that and expect the dog to come back to you. Nine times out of ten, people who have dogs that don't recall properly have not spent the time at the front end teaching their dog a reliable recall. And then they get frustrated when they take the dog to an exciting place like the beach and the dog doesn't come back to them. Mm -hmm. You've got to really build it up. In the training class, um, outside, in your backyard, in your front yard, where there's more distractions... Gradually build up distractions, proof the behavior. Proofing means that, for example, you've taught the dog to recall in your backyard just to come to you. Now, we prove the behavior by having somebody throwing a ball around and the dog's got to ignore the ball and come straight back to you. And then we put a child or an older child, I'd say, somebody that the dog knows and the child runs around, but the dog's still got to come back to you. Do you know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. proofing the behavior. We're making sure that that behavior is really, really good. And then eventually we get to the point where we go out to an open field and then the dog can come back to us when we call. And then the beach. So you see how we build it up in stages of a really good, reliable recall. That's what she needs to do. But, oh my gosh, hope you've got a fenced-in yard and hope you don't (laughs) allow your dog to free roam because it's illegal. It's absolutely illegal there, as it is here. Good to know. And uh, again, if you have any questions for Victoria, uh, it's Positively.com slash podcast. Before we go, I just wanted to um, share something with all of our friends um, about this uh, video that we found. This is Um, insanely brilliant. It's so funny. And we'll put a link on the podcast website, uh, Positively.com slash podcast. The BBC, you Brits have the best humor ever. You have the best wit and sense of humor, bar none. I'm just going to say that. Um, the BBC has a bunch of, uh, you know, animal videos, kind of like National Geographic. And somebody decided to put to words what those animals were thinking. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Oh, my God. All I can say is you will be walking around for a week going, Alan, Alan, Alan. I guarantee you. So with that, check it out on the website and get ready for a great laugh. It's ve- it's, uh, it's family friendly. Share it with your kids. You will get... Uh, a chuckle out of it. And if you're like my husband, Sean, you will cry while you laugh and watch it. See you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.